Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the podcast in a car episode. <laughs> uh, we're recording in Australia a few days after the giant wiki wedding, where our hosts have been gracious to invite us down to Australia, the south coast. Mm-hmm. This is the wedding of Yunchasan and Scaifemoat. Wow, you did that pronunciation really well. Did I? Yes. Podcast powered by car. Podcast powered by car. So in the car is Blue Highwind here, of course, and our wedding people, and 8-Bit. 8-Bit, I drive this Honda CRV. It's a beaut. (laughs) And some little mage. Yep, we we, uh, introduced these people to a bunch of, of Australian cuisine and then ended it with Taco Bell for some reason. Yes. There was discussion of doing a whole podcast recording down here, but I, uh, you know, we decided to go spend that time cooking and hiking, and, and we had too much fun. Yes, <laughs> and forgetting our podcast mic at home. We, anyway, we, we did plan to uh, play four hours of Dirge of Cerberus cutscenes and then uh, <laughs> record the podcast about it, but uh, somehow that didn't happen. There just wasn't enough time. It's too much Dirge of Cerberus. Well, we did. We did do an official Final Fantasy game tier list in the sand on the beach. Yes. Uh, yesterday, yesterday. <laughs> we did. Uh, Final Fantasy IX was in S tier, and then I wrote Scape Mode in F tier. And then I wrote Blue Highway in F minus tier, yes. therefore, when it, therefore the tier list was complete. I, I was hoisted by my own petard. And then it was all washed away by the sand, so no one will know. And then we have special guest podcaster, uh, The Fly, that's climbing all around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> this, that's actually uh, Katus here in spirit, for oh, he yeah. has left to yes, go on he, the plane Yes, he already. fled before we could get to Taco Bell. Sadly. So uh, this is all of us coming together in physical reality, mm-hmm. which is weird to imagine. It is bizarre that after 16 years or whatever of all of us knowing each other that we've come together and are all still friends and yeah. in some cases more than friends and in some cases mortal enemies, but we don't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know too who are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, thank you all. It's uh, nice to see you all. Yeah, go FFWiki. We love her. FFWiki, finally, 2023. So three, two, one. The Final Fantasy Wiki podcast is brought to you by Glenn. You know, your favorite Final Fantasy VII character, Glenn. Glenn Lodebrook. You know, you wrote fan fiction about him in high school. You paired him with Yuffie. You paired him <laughs> with uh, with Nero the Sable. You, you drew pictures of him. <laughs> Glenn, oh he's so important to you and your, you know, foundations as a person. Glenn. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Final Fantasy Wiki podcast, the official podcast of Final Fantasy Wikiing, though specifically it's the podcast of the fandom.com Final Fantasy Wiki. Uh, if you're part of some other Final Fantasy Wiki, I guess you're invited on, but little do you know you're actually represented by this podcast. I'm your host, Blue yeah. Highwind, and uh, joining me tonight is Technobliterator. What's up? I haven't been on in a while, but welcome. Yeah, you're back because you didn't want to talk about Final Fantasy 16, and we finally get to Because I haven't talk. played it. 
Will we finally I haven't get to... played it. There's nothing to talk about. Will we finally get to talk about not Final Fantasy 16, which is very exciting. Okay, but also guess yep. which game we have to mention in the news this month anyway. Uh, oh, Final Fantasy uh, Mystic Quest. Ah, yeah. There's that's, <laughs> definitely been news about that. And you just heard the voice of some color mage. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. It's uh nearly October, and the the weather got extremely cold all at once, in both Australia and America, which is where we've been. We've been across many different places. Uh, so um yeah, how? I I don't even know where to start. There's so much to talk about this <laughs> month. We uh, um. We're going I to have a... Most of our stuff is, uh, is focused on one particular entry, so let's just quickly get, like, the 14 and 16 news out of the way first, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then get through Ever Crisis just as quickly, because I don't think any of us really, like... There's interesting stuff from it, but let's just say I don't think any of us are going to be playing this game for any significant amount of time. So let's go with 16 and 14 first. So you want to talk about yeah. 16 first. I was going to talk about real stuff that happened in the real world. Uh, yeah, do the real stuff first. Okay, so real Oh, yeah, go ahead. All right, so real stuff uh, you will hear at probably the beginning of this episode before my stupid semi-funny bit about what this podcast is brought to you by is a message from all of us who went to Australia for the big wiki wedding. Woo! wiki wedding it was it was it was actually very emotional and i was very touched i am happy Aww. to have known people for as long as i have and to see many of them as it turns out grow up because they were on the wiki when they were like 12 years old and i had no idea but uh yeah well so that that's very impressive um most yep. of the the bride and groom are not joining us tonight but they will be in that message uh so there's that I should also mention that I flew all the way to Australia, and on my way, I took a little pit stop in a place called Japan. Now, have you heard oh, of Japan? Oh, I've never heard of it. Yeah, no, a... like completely new to me. Oh my god, I need to update my world map. Yeah, it's this mysterious kingdom on the far side of the world. It shows up in Jonathan Swift's um, uh, Gulliver's Travels as a fantasy land but as it turns out it's a real place and i went to the azuria cafe uh for final fantasy 14 stuff for lunch and uh I... wait is it still a kingdom yeah it's an empire technically shit i guess it is yeah uh, i guess they still got an emperor they yeah, still I mean, have an technically emperor. speaking they're still an emperor but they have bugger all power <laughs> Well, right. not to derail us into history knowledge, but the Emperor of Japan has almost never actually wielded any power. It has always been in the hands of a shogun or a prime minister or whatever. It's, oh, it's a very weird kind of system where the figurehead never really holds control. And I guess there's a level of plausible deniability if you're, say, Emperor Showa and create a world war and probably deserve worse punishment for what you've done. Uh, but that's way off topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I did uh, to continue off topic. I did go to the shrine to Emperor Meiji, and that was a very cool place. It's a Shinto shrine. I uh, I bought an amulet for the married couple there. Uh, but anyway, Azoria Cafe. 
This is a little pop-up cafe in Akihabara, the big nerd district. The place you go if you want to buy, say, a 30,000 yen objet d'art that's a lewd anime girl with giant boobs. Fucking... You get you could spend. Is, is this, can I could, visit this place in Persona Five? Uh, yes, I think you can. Yeah, pretty sure you can. Yeah, I think you can in Persona oh, Three too. Yeah, you've oh, definitely okay. you've definitely been in Persona games. This yeah, this is like a shopping district. It's just full. It's like a never ending uh like Comic Con this area, and uh, there are uh, sketchy DVD stores where you go upstairs and find very sketchy DVDs. I did not do that, uh, but. The Azoria Cafe, I had lunch there. It was weird, is how I would describe the experience, if you don't speak Japanese. Because the waiters and waitresses, they did not speak English. So they basically handed me a tablet, and that's where I had to order off of. And I got a free drink, which was not alcoholic, but I was unaware of that. And I'm like, oh, there's just no alcohol in this. This is somewhat disappointing. And then I ordered um, curry, which was good. It was in the shape of nice. a mound of some creature. I'm not sure what. I don't, nice. I don't, and then I got a, I ate a chocobo's head, which was a, uh, um, it was a bun with uh, just kind of icing inside. No, you ate a literal chocobo's head. You yeah. literally found a real chocobo, slaughtered it, and ate its head. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that people make Kentucky Fried Chocobos, uh, Chocobo jokes all the time, but the secret is they're actually pastries. Yeah. <laughs> As it turns out, they're they're just full of sweetness on the inside. Uh, it's custard. Custard, that's the word I'm unable to pull. Yeah, it's a custard bun. <laughs> uh, right. So, I wouldn't go alone to either Tokyo or the Azoria Cafe, because... You end up just eating your food and then being like, well, what else do I do here? I kind of scheduled my entire afternoon around going to the spot, and now I've already eaten, so I guess I'll just be on my way. Uh, they did uh, they did Final Fantasy XIV trivia, which I would probably not be very good at answering, even less so yeah. because it was all in Japanese. I was going to say, I was going to say, it's <laughs> yeah. like a double whammy, that shit. So God, like, in Japanese, is it? Japanese, I'm the person who plays the game, and even in Japanese, I'd fuck that up. Well, the, yeah. the waitress suddenly gets on the mic, and she starts talking, and I'm like, oh, I guess it's somebody's birthday or something. So then the guy next to me is, responds in Japanese, and she's like, yay, and I, I clap too, because I assumed I, it must be an occasion for him. And turns out, no, he's just answering the questions, whatever they are, and then he got, like, a coaster. They just hand you they hand you coasters nonstop. Not very good coasters either. They're pretty, but they they're made out of cardboard. So if you put a drink on them, they'll just dissolve instantly. So uh, that's that's my physical Final Fantasy pilgrimage. It was a interesting, curious experience, I'd say. Uh, the food was good and relatively cheap. I, I think I spent probably only like twenty two dollars for the whole thing. Oh wow, that's good. Yeah, the yen uh, exchange is... rate uh, is uh, really favorable towards uh, foreign currency in Japan right now. The exchange rate for American dollars is fantastic everywhere. A uh, uh, hundred yeah. yen used to be a dollar; it's now like sixty cents. Which leads me to my other extremely dark discovery: uh, if you go to a Seven Eleven in Tokyo, 
they will sell beer, like cans of beer, for about 300 yen, which is... I'm like, more shocked that they have 7-Eleven in Tokyo. No, the 7-Eleven is extremely oh, popular in East Asia. Huge in Tokyo. Yeah, in East Asia... Really? Love, yeah, 7-Eleven is gigantic all across the world over there. Uh, like, huh, I'm pretty okay. sure 7-Eleven is bigger in Japan than it is in in the U.S. Yeah, it's all over Thailand. Okay. I, I can't speak for China, but I imagine it's very popular in, like, Taiwan. And it's there in Singapore, too. Um, I'm sure there's probably, like, it's probably probably doesn't exist in china to the same extent because different laws and all that shit but definitely i wouldn't be surprised if it's in south korea by the sounds of it anyway just to finish my story uh a two dollar bottle of beer which is what that is that's not so bad that's not so shocking what is shocking is you can get a bottle of soju or even sake for roughly that same amount of money, that's two bucks, and those are thirty percent alcoholic beverages. Yeah, to those who don't know what those are, they're basically like the I don't know how you describe the, the yeah, rice wine. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's that's the that's the way you describe it, presumably. But it's you know those are Japan's favorite alcoholic drinks, and they're actually pretty fucking nice. Like, yeah, a Japanese. I, I don't want to offend anybody, but Japanese beer is pretty bad. Like the best. I don't Japanese... even. I don't like any country's beer. So, the best. So is, that's gonna lose. Is universal trade is pretty bad. Yeah. I don't. I've never understood beer, man. I've always been a cider person, but maybe that's okay. the Eastern European in me. I like cider too, but there's good beer and there's bad beer. Japanese beer is at best passable. <laughs> at worst, it was the worst IPA I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, okay. But if you buy a soju, I ended up with like two of these at the airport waiting to go home. That's you're getting blazed on that. Two sojus in the morning, that that's a time. Your head yeah. will be spinning very quickly. So please watch out, viewers who are going, listeners who are going to Japan. Uh, but anyway, I've talked enough about myself. We wanted to talk about Final Fantasy 16, right? Yeah, I mean, there's not much. Uh... There's not really much to talk about. They announced that you know, the uh, the PC version is actually going to happen sometime next year, and there's also two uh, DLC expansions planned. Um, yeah, I'm not shocked by that. Like, I I was under the impression that was basically always going to happen because I think in like but, uh, in my it was one of the first announcements where they said like, oh, it's exclusive for a time. It, it was in the it was in the launch trailer, yeah, and then yeah. they took it out after the first airing of that because, you know, they weren't supposed to say that at a fucking PS5 uh, PS5 showcase. Yeah, right. it's supposed to be a timed yeah. exclusive with Sony. That's the deal that they had, but everyone knew immediately this is coming to PC and relatively quickly. And even even I, if it wasn't like even if you know if all the rumors are true and sony does buy square enix like they would release it on pc anyway because there are no, no like sony's not buying square enix I, I don't think they are either but like you know sony releases all their exclusives to pc eventually now anyway so you know it, at this point like something coming to pc isn't really surprising well you know you add that on top of the fact that like basically my understanding of what they've said about the sales if the, is they've said that hey they're good considering the constraints of the platform we're on you know so considering I mean, that the install base of the ps5 is what it is they're good within that 
Right, so for us to expand sales, we need to get more people PS5s and also by the sound of it, just put the game on PC. Yeah, yeah, like it could have been better, but overall it made a profit. Like, yeah, it's basically, flop, it, it's like, and like their profit may be rather thin, but like at this point, they've like I think within the first week or so, they'd completely paid off the game and anything, any other sales beyond that are pure profit. Right, yeah, basically, like, you know, I haven't played the game, so I can't speak on that. But what I can speak on is the whole conversation around the sales has just been so infuriating to me because I remember this exact same shit happened with 7 Remake. You know, there's certain Final Fantasy fans who don't like whatever the latest Final Fantasy is that come out. So they're yeah, always like, looking like for everything... Well, speaking right here no no i'm talking about people yeah. much more toxic than yeah you. i know i know but there's there's like there's all these people who will find anything they can to like prove oh this was a failure and that's why they should go back to like you know they should go back to ff10 again or they should make ff9 or whatever the hell right you know so there'll always be all these obnoxious people will find anything they can to prove something was a flop or was a success, right? And equally, you know, there's a lot of people who really love Final Fantasy 16 who understandably want to see it succeed, right? You know, but ultimately, the answer was in the middle of the two. It wasn't a flop. It wasn't like the biggest blowout blockbuster of all time, right? It just did well. It did perfectly fine. Like, they are happy with it, right? It hasn't saved the company from all their dumbass mistakes, right? Yeah, so when you know, um, oh god, that part was yeah, so annoying. When like, like you, you you probably know what I'm talking about, so you can elaborate. Yeah, on it. and I can just point out right now, just for any any sort of argument involving that, there is nothing that Square Enix could have done to reverse the uh, financial damage for Spoken did. Like right. I don't think I don't think uh, like fifteen. 15's launch because uh, it's post-launch was, uh, but I don't think 15's launch would have undone the amount of damage Forspoken did. Right, exactly, man. Yeah, it's just like it's just you know the conversation around it has been so infuriating, right? And it's just like no one wants to just accept this game did fine, like it just did all right, you know. And just like people have to make some kind of narrative about what the hell that means, like it doesn't mean shit, man. It means, you know, this is their first attempt at making a game like this, and, you know, they'll they'll come away with what they can learn from this, what they can improve on, X, Y, Z, and that's just how, that's how this company operates, right, you know, but, anyway, anyway, so that's, that's kind of a tangent from the main yeah. part. There's a, I mean, yeah, but, like, on sales stuff, there is a couple things uh, I do want to touch on as well first of all uh okay this month uh, they announced that uh, seven remake and integrate combined uh, top seven million sales so that's yeah uh, yeah that's true okay. that's true i saw um, that that's uh, also, those are good um, numbers they are quite uh, yeah. good numbers yeah um and the other thing uh while most of the posts about this have been completely fucking insufferable there was one interesting one i saw from someone who's worked with square enix in the past and uh they're wondering about the opportunity cost of being of these uh, exclusives that also coincidentally never make it to Xbox. Because while Final Fantasy sales on the Xbox are pretty terrible, 
there's a bit of opportunity cost uh, lost there because uh, the ones that uh, Xbox did get, they advertised the shit out of them. Like, mm. and this is something I can definitely uh, confirm. When 13 and 15 were coming out, their advertisements were mostly being backed by Microsoft. Like, they were Xbox ads. And, uh, Wait, 15? And cost... Yeah. 15 came out on yeah. Xbox, yeah. Oh, shit, you're right, it did. Fuck. Yeah, that was a... Yeah, I think that sucks. was... Like... They were all cross-console and... until 16. It was the first exclusive for a while. And... Until 7 Remake, yeah. And, like, while Square Enix does advertising just fine, people like to say Square Enix doesn't advertise, that's a fucking lie, and people just don't realize that The World Ends With You is not a big seller. Um, oh, you you gotta hurt like... me now. <laughs> I love those games, but it's true. It is uh, true. But, yeah. um, but the thing is, it's possible that, uh, like, you know, they are losing a bit of awareness because Microsoft was just so aggressive uh, with advertising the, those games that they probably led to more PlayStation sales of those games than Xbox sales well, from those think, ads. I don't think 16 lacked in advertising. Because, uh,. Well, I can also say that trains in Sydney had big, giant Final Fantasy 16 banners on the side of them. But there, like, even yes, yeah. there have been uh, there have been huge uh, Final Fantasy 16 banners all through our public transport down here. But it's also like it's 16. kind of an interesting question: How do you advertise anymore? Because like nobody watches TV. Uh, you know, everyone knows YouTube that banner ads, ads don't TikTok do anything. Ads. Are there ads on oh, TikTok? Yeah, like... I don't do TikTok. I think so. I don't do TikTok either, but you know, there's there's no way those creators are getting that much money if there's not some form of advertising. Maybe they need like Taylor Swift to announce that she's dating Glenn Ludbrook, and that would that oh, would get the conversation no. going. All right, for the non for the non-Americans listening to this, basically, Americans are so obsessed with this because she's dating an NFL star, and that's that's why people suddenly care about this. Because it's a crossover between Taylor Swift fans, which are fucking huge, and LF NFL fans, which in this country are also fucking huge. It's Yeah, you could be both, but you could hate the Chiefs like a certain Blue Highwind and uh, be in deep... I rooted for them in the Super Bowl because I was rooting against the Eagles. But in deep I agony. don't care about the All Chiefs. Right. I, I, I created a tangent and then I tried to fight against the tangents and now I don't even remember what we were talking about. <laughs> We're talking about 16 being advertised everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So 16, how, like, 16 yeah. was not lacking for advertising power. Sony put all yeah, their muscle behind it. Yeah, it wasn't lacking, but at the same time, if you could get more by partnering with someone else, like, I mean, I don't think there's a theory that you can over-advertise something, really. I would say 16's release felt slightly more low-key. Then 15s, where 15, they did everything. They made a movie. Yeah. They had an anime. They had shitty phone apps. They they had, uh, well, ramen was 13, but mm. cup of noodles. Uh, that no, might... Ramen was 15. Cup of, well, cup 15, of noodles are not ramen. Like, Sorry, I need to be clear on that. They're... With 15, I almost feel like that went, that was to its detriment because it just, they created a load of hype around it. And they never really, like, lived up yeah, to that. Yeah, also, that, that side stuff, most of it was not well-liked. Yeah. Like, all those, like, all those phone apps failed. Like, uh, I, 
I don't think I ever hear anyone saying something good about the movie. No. I feel like based... Yeah, I feel like they... Seeing the reaction to 15, they decided to go, like, in completely the other direction and release no side stuff about it. A lot, and... a lot of uh, 16's uh, marketing has definitely been a direct response to 15. Like, hell, the DLC yeah. not being announced until this month is part of that because uh, that... They, uh, because uh, the uh, Season 2 DLC stuff for 15 really... Uh, really uh burned a lot of people so you see it was like we we will not announce dlc until it until it's in a state where it has to come out didn't mm. yoshi p say that there would be no dlc did he not he say said he that? wasn't work it wasn't it wasn't planning it something uh, um, uh weasel he got me in the weasel politics words he said yeah all right we're asking players to pay the full price for this experience and we want our experience going to be blah 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 we have no plans for DLC at this time. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. That, um, I have I have one last thing to say on 16 before we move on. Because yep. for a non-16 podcast, we've talked about it a decent amount. And that's my fault. But um, the thing I, I always thought with 16 sales, like it wasn't going to sell through some massive advertising campaign. My theory has always been it's going to release and then it's going to sell mostly through word of mouth. Like it's mostly going to sell through like... You know, people talk about, oh shit, how good this game is, and then it's it being as accessible as it is to non-Final Fantasy fans, that's how it would rope people in. And that was always my theory on it. Um, I'm not saying that won't ever possibly materialize, I'm just saying that, like, you know, at least at this point, I haven't yet seen evidence of that. So, it may turn around and be, like, a cult classic later down the line, but at, at this point, like... I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's, like, f to do something like that, you'd basically have to be Elden Ring, and not to knock 16, but I don't think it's Elden Ring. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call it cult, because, like, it's already sold sold decently enough, and, like, it's not like, and, yeah, like, you know, yeah. cult classics tend to go completely ignored, but, like, this review, as well as 7 Remake did, really, like... In fact, it, I think no, I think it, it reviewed better. The same as a score. It was either the same or better, yeah, somewhere, somewhere along those lines. But yeah, it's it basically this game did did perfectly well, like you know, and people need to not rush to conclusions one way or the other. Like okay. the the only reason why I don't think Final Fantasy 16 is a game of the year contender is that this year turned out to be unexpectedly fucking stacked. Yeah, like, you know, fucking Spider-Man 2 is going to be game of the year, man. I like, need to... Sony always win that shit. I need to write my top 10 games of the year list that I always do in January, and I cannot in good conscience put Final Fantasy 16 on that list. And yet, I do not have enough games to fill the list up yet, so I don't know what I'm going to do. All right, so the next news is fourteen. No, no, no. Yeah. Let, let, let's let's get back to organize. I have a whole list here. Uh, so news, 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 news. Go back. Uh, so um, here's a bit of news here from the beginning of this month. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen player has described all of one point zero into an archive for its tenth anniversary. 
Now, this was the failed Final Fantasy XIV version that was one of the biggest catastrophes in Square Enix history. So there's yeah. now an archive of at least the entire text of it and all of the yeah. main quests. Uh, no, is... if you want to talk about something that was a catastrophe, that yeah. shit was a catastrophe. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. there you go. This is a user Merc Menagerie. Uh, who posted, I think, a lot of this on Twitter. And uh, this is just a useful historical document. Uh, we are a wiki, so we are into these sorts of historical nonsense and ephemera, even if they are yep. for a game that was objectively completely horrible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, pretty much every it, metric. It's still, I guess it's still kind of interesting because sometimes, even though you know that story is completely inaccessible uh, these days, uh, they will they will pull something out of it. Like, like uh, the, the Alexander arc in uh, in heavenswood is a direct sequel to something that happened in 1.0 like okay. it, oh is it directly references uh, it directly references the uh the events of the uh um of the uh, limsa starting quests in uh, in 1.0 like the villain of that like like limsa's starting arc in 1.0 uh, got completely dropped on the floor after his dumbo is clearly building up to something but uh, so then they just oh yeah that, that's a fact that dude stole that is actually key to activating alexander okay uh oh um sorry and... we have to go back to 16 i have some bad news uh what? we have to go back to 16 because there was a free uh dlc not really dlc but like an update uh there's new costumes for the oh yeah those yeah, so there's a new costume for Clive, a new costume for Jill, for uh, your brother, whatever his name was. Joshua! Joshua! Yeah, yeah. Uh, the dog and the chocobo. And I think yeah. most of these are pretty mid, except for Jill's. Jill's looks pretty good. It's better than her current Cl costume. Clive's looks better in game than on picture because it does have a glow effect. Like, that's how you can truly tell this is uh, this is a team of Final Fantasy XIV devs because something glows. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I, yeah, Jill's costume is better than her base one. This is just how she should always look. She looks like a Final Fantasy character now. Um, yeah, yeah, they're also, uh, like, hardly trying to fix the scoring in arcade mode because it's kind of. I mean, arcade <laughs> mode seems kind of pointless to begin with generally because, like, it's just a score attack thing and the scoring system's just kind of dumb. Well, at least it doesn't give you, like, an A or S tier, F tier, like, in Devil May Cry, which always just got on my nerves, honestly. Um, oh, and... In arcade mode, it does. Oh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't really want that. Uh, there's an update on the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters. So or not really an update, but just a bit of news. Uh, Three million copies have been sold of that product. Yep. Good numbers. Like, I'm happy with it, you know. I still need to buy it for PS5, but... Being a homeowner is expensive. It is. A I'll lot of people have been I'll doing. A lot of people have been doing extremely adult things here in the wiki world, like getting married, buying houses. Uh, I will say, like with Pixel Remaster, <laughs> I'd be interested to see, like you know, how public opinion has changed on it since you know since they released it on console. Because, like, I know, like the number two, the the two biggest complaints when it came out was it's not on console. It now is. And the font, which I believe they fixed the font. So, 
You know, I and have the, like the new font isn't perfect, but it does feel a lot more appropriate. It's... Right? Yeah. I mean, there's that plus like there's a couple like there's a couple things where basically if you're a massive Final Fantasy nerd like we are, we'll notice things that are wrong with the pixel remasters. But even still, like you know, if someone said to me, "Hey, I want to check out your favorite game of all time." Right, and I said, well, Metal Gear Solid 3 is getting a remake, and they say, oh no, your other one. And I would say, oh, okay, you should get Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster. Like, I just, I can't imagine introducing anyone new to these remasters in any other way. See, I'm the opposite of you, because if someone said, I want to play your favorite game of all time, I would say, yes, you want to play Wind Waker, but don't play the Wii U version, because I hate the bloom effect, and the game looks way too washed out. Please play the yeah, GameCube I, version. I, Here's my GameCube. Here's my copy. That. You can go play it right now. I understand that, but it's like the people who say the same about the Crash Insane trilogy, right? You know, like, me, personally, I grew up with Crash Bandicoot. It was literally my first game of game I ever played before I played Ratchet and Clank, right? You know, so I notice a bunch of things in the Insane trilogy where I'm like, oh, I don't like that they animated it that way. I don't like that they did X, Y, Z. There's a bunch of things that, like, bother me about it where I feel like they missed the charm of the originals. But even still, like, you know, it's it plays well. You know, yeah. it's, it's easy for someone new to get into them. Like, I couldn't, like, in good... I couldn't in good conscience say, no, you should go download a PS1 emulator and get the very original version of the game with the jank-looking graphics. I couldn't, I couldn't say that to someone. Like, you know, I could say play this version, and then if you want to go check out the original, because I think there's things the original did better, then fine. Like, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not the same, like, it's not the same thing as, like, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake, where it is a legit question between, like, you know, which you should play first. Like, and we're going to get to that soon. Well, but. you should play the original first, clearly. The, yeah, that, you should, but... Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute yeah. when we talk well, about fucking Ever Crisis. Well, all right, we got to wait on Ever Crisis because in more humorous news, um, the Final <laughs> Fantasy tabletop RPG was accidentally leaked like three days before they were supposed to actually show it at TGS. Uh, so now... Yeah, there you go. Wait, this... there's a Final yeah. Fantasy tabletop RPG? What yes. the fuck? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Final oh, Fantasy. Oh, shit, all right. Final Fantasy fourteen flavored. Oh, uh, 14. Okay. Yeah, they so far they just have the starter set listed on the Square Next store. I don't know if there's other versions. Uh, this listing they was down, but it seems to be... Other, they did say there are other books planned. Um, okay. And yeah, it is up. Um, I mean, it's on the 14 site now, so I can just... Wait. Can are we yeah, at the point where we can officially say that Final Fantasy fourteen is now the biggest Final Fantasy ever made? I think like, we could have said I, I, that maybe like four years ago at this point. Well, probably, yeah. yeah but like, you know, it's just starting to... Because I just I remember like growing up not too long ago. And, you know, like Final Fantasy seven was always this big thing that like just everyone would talk about as this huge like... You know, ten, 10 as well to an extent, but those are the ones that people would always talk about as like this amazing game that came out that one time, right? And over time, it's not that those have faded so much, it's just that so many new games have come out since then, 
you know, that it's like, you know, like, for example, like, if you talk about, like, what's the best narrative game that ever came out, there was a time when people would say Seven. I think these days people would say The Last of Us, you know, as an example. Oh, right? you mean, like, but, in all video games? Yeah. Like, wow. you know, if you talk about the general, broad video game public, like, it would be brought up all the time. And, you know, you would you would be able to run into, like, Final Fantasy VII fans all the time, like, in real life. These days, I feel like I'm much more often encountering Final Fantasy XIV fans. And there's a Final Fantasy XIV cookbook that I found the other day. We you know, talked like, about that I'm, here. We mentioned we that on the podcast last year. I, I think I said I was going to buy it and then cook something out of it, and then I never did. Yeah, I... I would, I would, except I'm vegan, so it probably wouldn't help me very much. But, like, you know, you just see this, like, in the cultural zeitgeist, I feel like we, we are now at the point where 14 has, maybe, no, I don't know, it's hard to say, like, you know. It's hard to say because, you know, if someone said, like, oh, well, like, Kendrick has surpassed Tupac, I would slap them in the fucking face and say, I love Kendrick, but oh. you cannot replace Tupac for me right you know like so maybe like seven still has that place but i just feel like you know at least as a casual observer who doesn't play 14 i've seen and heard so much about it in the general public that i feel like we might be at the point where i think it's i think it's surpassed okay. i might be wrong but that's uh, I, that's my feeling on it i'm not sure if the past is correct at this point but 7 and 14 are definitely the two entries in the series that have actually successfully become franchises in and of themselves oh absolutely absolutely yeah that yeah, part but... isn't even debatable for sure i have a i have a very important question for techno though who has surpassed okay. tupac in the last 20 years no one no, no one like not kanye uh, it, a... not jay-z no. i mean no. like jay-z Jay-Z and Kendrick Lamar are both amazing in their own right. But, like, my argument for Tupac is just that, you know, he, like, literally the guy died when he was 25. Jay-Z didn't exist in the cultural zeitgeist until he was 26 and he released Reasonable Doubt. And then it took him years after that before he released The Blueprint. And that's when everyone actually knew about him. Right? How about Drake? You know, Tupac Has Drake surpassed Tupac? Well, well, here's the thing, like, in terms of sales, then sure, like, you know, Eminem surpassed everyone ages ago. Drake has probably surpassed, uh, he's either equal with or surpassed Eminem by this point, right? In terms of sales, sure. In terms of technical ability, yeah, that was never Tupac's strength. But in terms of how much he accomplished in his short space of time and how big of an impact he had and how he did that before everyone else even came close, I just think... You know, I just think no one, no one comes close to Tupac. How about the you know, insane like... clown posse? Have they surpassed Tupac? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Uh... Um, okay, so I have the, uh, I have the details in front of me now. So, so the base game, uh, so the starter set includes like a uh, basic uh, player and game master book that uh, includes like the general, the general rules and uh, three. Uh, three pre-made scenarios as well as uh, four pre-made character sheets and uh, a bunch of the tad and stuff, you know, the dice and, and like markers and stuff. And there are two other books currently announced that haven't been um, 
the time like on the store or anything there's like a full rule book and an expanded game master guide okay and we don't really know what system this is working on maybe it's its I mean, own system at entirely the, looking at the dice it appears to be an original system because right. like for a lot of this stuff uh stuff people generally assume it's going to be a uh to be like uh, something using uh like the 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 uh dungeon and dragon standard resource document like uh, there are a lot of things out there that are basically just expansions of uh dungeons and dragons 3.5 but uh this uh like the stuff they've included with it this seems like it would be uh it would be completely original hmm I asked that question as if I knew anything about tabletop RPGs, and I know basically nothing. No, me neither. Yeah. I'm totally lost there, to be honest. I, I do see that there are, uh, I think, 20-sided dice in this listing. Uh, and, but, yeah, we really don't know that much about this in general. It's basically just the store description. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they did post it early, so I think they had to shut the post down. Because it was an accident for them to show yeah, it at they, all. They took it down, and then later the day, the, later in the day, they just they decided just fuck up. it and formally announced it. Because nothing stays a secret anymore. I mean, there's there's Spider-Man no. Two PlayStation Five spoilers floating around right now. Go. They're not. It. They're not. I just looked at them. They're not. It's basically the trophy list came out, and people have like, you know, tried to like find spoilers from that. It's not. It's nothing big. Okay. Let's do three more news hits, but we'll do them real fast because they're not very long. And then we can move on yep. to another major topic. So, RPG Discourse. This is the JRPG Discourse specifically, whether or not that term is good. Uh, Nomura has said that he's not particularly keen on it. That he recalls that a time when he was first starting out that everyone just called it RPGs. And at some point later, he was found that people were calling it JRPGs. Uh, his yeah, you're on about the term. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His quote is, I'm not really sure what the intent behind that is. It just always felt a bit off to me and a bit weird. I never really understood it or why it's needed. Meanwhile, Katase uh, says that I don't see it as a derogatory, a derogative. I can't. Oh, hmm. some color mage has disappeared. Rip. Yeah. Cool. We'll continue Ooh, without. Oh, he, he's returned. There he is. Yay! Some kind of man, you disappeared. Yeah, I know. Discord fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving it in. I don't feel like editing it out. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, Katase says, personally, I don't see it as that derogative. Derogative. That's a weird word. Um, yeah. I think, obviously, with modern title gaming, titles developed in the West are the majority now. So, if JRPG is only used in terms of differentiating, maybe showing off a slightly different approach to games or a unique flavor in terms of Japanese-made games. I'm absolutely fine with that. So the argument mm. continues, and I think we will never find an answer at this point. JRPG discourse will continue for all time. It is fucking stupid, man. Like, yep. I mean, I didn't hear half of what you said because... Discord, but yeah, it's the JRPG thing again, isn't it? Like, Nomura Look, it likes it, yeah. Katase doesn't. Uh, no, Nomura doesn't, it doesn't like it, Katase matter. doesn't care. It doesn't matter what the medium is, like, genres are always stupid. Like, they're never accurate. They're always, like, super bad descriptors. Like, you know, if we use music as another example, like, when you hear pop music, people will always tell you, like, oh, pop, that just means 
music that just happens to be popular, right? Okay, yeah, so how cool. can we have a genre? How can we have a genre called indie pop? Explain that. You can't because genres are fucking stupid. They're just—it's just marketing. It's just marketing labels to say, you know. And if people use the term JRPG to say like a certain category of specific RPGs that just so happen to be developed by Japanese developers that have this type of gameplay, they're not gonna understand it from that perspective. But you know, if the developers themselves are saying. You know, it sounds like they're it sounds like they're kind of mixed on if they like the term or not. Like Yoshi to be honest, P but... was very against it. That's where this discussion began many months ago. Right. I, yeah. I, I mean, if we go into the distant past, technically this started like was it a decade or so ago when some Bioware riser tried to pretend like they were better than Japanese risers. That's yeah. We don't need to relitigate this whole thing. We've had this whole conversation. No, yeah, already. that can. That We've can had get this fucked. whole conversation on the podcast already. Um, I'm just gonna say Final Fantasy 16 better than Starfield any day of the week. That's what I'm gonna say. But you haven't. You know, hate have me you played you either one of them? I haven't played either one of them, and I know which one I'd rather play. Uh, okay, I haven't. Honestly, there's nothing in Starfield that looked at all interesting to me <laughs> on any level. So I guess I agree. I can with see you. the. I can see the appeal. I don't. No, I, I truly, I don't get what people get out of Bethesda video games, to be completely honest. Yeah, you play one, you played them all, and like, you know, I've played like like five minutes of Skyrim, and yeah, yeah, I've played them all. Yeah. But yeah, some, but some people love that shit. Okay. And I can, I can understand why. Two more news hits. We're going to do them real, real yeah. fast. Okay. So, uh... Final Fantasy VIII's main character, Squall, has a cameo in Jujutsu Kaisen, Season 2, Episode 33. He's in the background of a show. So if you care about that anime, which I don't really, but he's there. uh, This means a lot to somebody. Somebody's cheering in the audience. I don't know who. And finally, if say you have just returned from Japan and uh, missed out, possibly... Uh, there's a Final Fantasy XIV KFC event. So uh, the con- the Colonel he's in he's in Azoria right now eating chicken, and I think you could do something. Yeah, you can buy like meals in actual Japan, and uh... this isn't the first time Final Fantasy XIV has collaborated with KFC. There was um the uh, the uh, Fat Black Chocobo incident, which was uh, a promo in China where, like, you got the Fat Black Chocobo mount in-game if you bought, like, this gigantic family meal. Oh, fuck it, no. What's interesting... You had to to finish it in-store, and because MMO people are the least well-adjusted people on the planet, some people tried to do this solo, like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) What's interesting is... That thing had like eight burgers in it. What's interesting is that KFC is possibly the worst fast food here in America. It is pure grease. It's like the worst fried chicken you can get. Yet, in East Asia, it is a major institution. It's a big thing in Japan. It's a big thing in China. I haven't tried... It's a big thing in the UK. Is it? It's a big thing basically everywhere other than the US. And in Kentucky... You ask actual people from Kentucky, they'll say, we don't like KFC. Nope. There's way better fried chicken elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it's no. so, it's so funny. It's Even as... big and respected everywhere outside of the place it's actually from. 
If you want American it's, fried chicken, you should go to Popeyes. You could go to like three other different places that are in North Carolina that are quite good. Uh, but yeah, KFC is just it's just grease. That's the only flavor I can describe of it. It's not good. Sixteen herbs and spices, all completely wasted to give you nothing but the flavor of needing to take a shower. Taco Bell, though, fantastic, unrelated. Hmm. Uh, so that's all the news, except for well. Oh, um, there was uh, one fourteen thing that was skipped over. Uh, oh, patch, sorry. Uh, six point five, uh, patch six point five, growing light, is uh, out next week, uh, October third, I believe. Uh, this this is the end of uh, the well. This is part one of the end of Endwalker's patch cycle. So it's uh, wrapping up the uh, like the void story that has been brought up a few times on this podcast. So it's going to be a fight against Zeramis. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Growing Light Part Two is slated for January. Uh, these are also like deliberately timed around the fan fest so like europe fan fest is uh, later later in october and uh, and uh, japan fan fest is later in january so like and also it sounded like there was like instead of being like a part one part two three and two halves it does feel sound like that part one is finishing up the things that started in endwalker and part two is basically just just getting all the pieces into place for Dawn Trail. Okay. We can move on to, I guess, what our main topic is. Well, we have two major topics. Because there's one yeah, gigantic bit of related. news that will define the podcast for the next six months, roughly. And then there is a minor bit of news, which is the new Final Fantasy game that joins our ranks this month. The long-awaited, ever-delayed... Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, the phone mobile remake slash compilation slash prequel slash reworking of stuff that didn't really work out in Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. I don't think they even plan to have this story in The First Soldier because this this storyline takes place like a decade after when The First Soldier supposedly took place. Yeah, it's like... The naming is so stupid. Like, here's the thing with this game. So you know how earlier in the podcast I said, you know, if someone has never experienced Final Fantasy VII before and they want to experience it and their choice is either Seven Original or Seven Remake, like, originally, this game, when it was first ever marketed, was marketed as the third way to play it. It was marketed as, quote, another possibility for a remake. This is not a way to experience Final Fantasy VII, and it should not be your way to experience it. This is quite possibly the of the of those three choices. I, I would not even consider this a choice because it is by far the wor- the worst one. Now, what it is instead is it's a Gacha game that's basically Final Fantasy Record Keeper. And if you're not familiar with that, what that is is in between the little different segments there are story sections right and in those story sections they do actually a pretty faithful recreation of the story sections in final fantasy 7 the original except like you know occasionally a recreation of some of the story sections okay of some of them that's right why don't we rewind slightly and we could go and find out who here has actually played final fantasy 7 ever crisis so 
I will start Me. out first of all by saying that I did download it on my phone and I never actually launched it. So yeah, uh, Techno, I you played, played it. it. I have to a decent extent. Some color mage, you played any of it? Yeah, I I played it, dropped it because like it's not a good game. Okay, so no, so what actually is in this initial download? Okay. So um, okay, so there was actually a story okay, update so. like yesterday, <laughs> but uh, but since we will probably, I don't think either of us have any experience with that, so it's just going to be uh, what was there at launch. So um, so there's this uh, so at launch the story's available. Uh, there's Final Fantasy VII up till you leave Midgar. Yeah. Right. There's uh, Crisis Core up till the fight against Ifrit, which is like something like two hours into the original game. There's like n nothing there. That's just, just like the Wu Tai segment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not even two hours. Segment. It's probably less than that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, two hours of Crisis yeah, Core is like about... a twentieth of Crisis Core because that game's not actually all that long. It's uh, not very yeah. long. No. Yeah, and the uh, and then there's the original storyline, which is. Like you know, the, these characters that were first introduced in the uh, in the uh, FMV you know, of FMV trailer for the first soldier, like they've gone, they're going to this island to try and set up a Marco reactor, and like they get attacked by natives. Sephiroth get attacked shows by up. natives. Yeah, native to that island. Native to what, that island. What uh, what are we doing here with this? Are they? They're like... just normal. They're just like, you know, they're basically like citizens of Midgar, except oh, they okay. said, oh, we're from this island. They're not like, you know, they didn't like say it, they're like an not, indigenous population or anything. Kind of, okay. All like, right, I'm, it's not that kind of thing. It's just like. I'm picturing I like the like village from King up. Kong level of. No, like, no, 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 no. Nothing like that. Not that bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, so I think we... it's still bad, but like, it's not like, oh. Uh, like it's not like oh this is just racist. no it's just it's just poorly written yeah um, basically like um you know so what what it, what it does is in the story content of the game they have like mostly faithful recreation for the ff7 part it's mostly faithful recreations of some of the cutscenes except like occasionally you know the cutscene will end with oh no there are you know shinra soldiers showing up how annoying Right, you know, and that's that's the only thing they'll change about it is like some Shinra people show up because they have to put gameplay in there, right? Okay. And those parts fucking suck because you'll go through like all these iconic bits. For example, from War Market, you know, do you ever fight Hell House? Not once. Do you ever fight anyone who was actually in those segments? Nope. You fight a bunch of Shinra troopers again. It's and... also like they've right. managed to come up with a version of Final Fantasy VII. That completely skips the honeybee in, which is amazing, since that's what everyone, what everyone feared about Seven Remake, and then no, they've turned it, they made it even better than the original. Okay, I right. am actually, I've actually launched this game that's... just for curiosity while we've been having this conversation, and I can say this seems like it plays exactly the same as uh, Near Reincarnation. Which was pretty in, much yeah same, so you same, just uh, same developers. you just wait for the the thing to load up so you can go do your attack and it's purely do you have enough numbers to overcome the other number 
And I can't yeah. beat yeah. Sephiroth. Yeah. That seems to be the tutorial fight. Yeah, it's well, like... Yeah, that... It's just, you know... It's basically... What what they marketed it as, it's not that. Although we mostly accepted since that it wasn't going to be that. Like, you know, what it is instead, right, is it's a way for them to deliver new story content, which that part is, you know, still cool with that. Yeah. You know, like, with the first soldier. Really, Go on. There are some interesting things. Like, after you finish that Final Fantasy VII section, you do unlock some side stories, which are like like th things about like your know, backstory of uh, you know of a few of the characters that's not in the game like you and unlock, young sephiroth uh, well yes but the young, young sephiroth wasn't in the launch thing the young, young sephiroth was added yesterday that's um, disappointing oh there's some there's some cutscenes of sephiroth in, yeah there are some the cutscenes of him in the original but he was added as a playable character yesterday oh, oh right check yeah now. yeah Techno, well, I have a question for you. Has young Sephiroth uh, surpassed uh, Tupac at this point? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> so, like, there's some character stuff that... So, like, there are some... There are some few side story things, and, like, they were okay. Um, I didn't do all of them because uh, the uh, the power requirements for them, you know, like the... Oh, you must be this number to be to have any chance of the fight. They're just like really overtuned for some of them, uh, and like, you know, I I hear that they've been working on fixing this, but like, you can barely play the game. Like, you know, this is a gacha game, so it's got the fucking stamina meter shit, and also like, it char charges extremely slowly. And the thing encourages you when you're grinding to like spend triple the amount of stamina to get triple reward. So like you're running through like six hours worth of stamina in a single fight. Yeah, here's here's the thing, right? You know, I'm not. the reason I'm quite down on this, and I'm just gonna caveat this with I've never played a gotcha game at launch before, right? The only time I ever played a gotcha game for and actually enjoyed myself was the Dissidia one, right? And I've since stopped playing that game because it got to a certain point where basically, like, they just power creeped the heck out of everything and basically, you know, fights started at a, a point when it was actually taking out time from my day to try and beat some of the fights. I was just like, I can't... I don't have time for this shit. It's just not... It's not fun anymore, right? But Dissidia was... The reason why that one was really, really good was not just, you know, the story content was actually super interesting, right? It was the, the gameplay mechanics of it were actually really, you know, they they made them really interesting in how every character played and how it was, you were able to, like, actually think about certain bosses you were fighting and how you'd use your characters in certain different ways. Also, but, translating Decidia mechanics to a turn-based RPG is just inherently a fairly interesting system. Right, that too, yeah. But the third and most important one is that you can get away without paying a single dime on that game and it will become a really fun experience. You don't have to pay anything to get through that game and to enjoy yourself and for it to be a great time. And, you know, so I just I just really respected it for that. Like, ironically, like, you know, a free-to-play game 
I'm only gonna spend money on it if they allow me to get through it without spending money because then I'm like, oh, okay, I respect that. You know, you can have a couple bucks for it, right? But um, with, the, with the Dissidia game, I thought that one was really, really good and it had really good mechanics. And this, at this point, just doesn't. You know, this it, at this point, like, it's just not fun enough for me. So I'll say, like, you know, if you're an absolute sucker for these kind of games, if you're a real sucker for Gacha games, like, you know, they, you will be rewarded for your time with some decent original cutscenes, you know, because whenever they just do the cutscenes from FF7 again, like, if there's nothing, you know, you're not going to find out anything new there, you're just repeating what you already know, right? Mm. You know, and I'm sure when they eventually add Before Crisis, you know, that's going to be worth checking out because... We haven't had Before Crisis ever translated over here. I so think they that... actually mentioned Before Crisis on like the live stream where they were, where they're announcing the, the yesterday's updates. It's like, yeah, like they're going to do Before Crisis eventually. They have to kind of figure it out because like Before Crisis had ten playable characters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. How is um, this game so... doing though? Like in terms of reception. In terms of. So it received like a shit ton of downloads. I believe something in the level in the range of like a million, but a I million think it's downloads, been about six million, something like that. Yeah, but you know, downloads means fuck all because you can download something and then never play it. It doesn't mean jack shit, right? You know, in terms of commercially, we're not, we're just not gonna know at this point. Like it's, yeah, it's hard well, to say. But, yeah, we're going to have to wait until. Uh until uh sensor tower that's for the month in the few days to get any sort of idea uh but it's clearly something they're really trying to do because uh they've announced the steam version of the game yeah oh, like, I'll i, say I that... definitely want to play this on my computer yeah, yeah. like uh, i would also, say like uh but also like if you do any sort of uh numbers into like you know into like uh you know, how much money you need to do such it just becomes clear that it's fucking it's so fucking weighted against you that there's no point even trying to buy in uh like so let's let's talk about the gacha you know that's the main thing that these things you know cost their money on they are secretly so all slot machines in... yes that is what they really yes, are they're there. secretly also so like it's a weapon gacha but the weapons are fairly easy to get like i think uh, at the time I dropped it, I had a copy of every weapon you can get from the gacha, because because uh, they were being rather generous with the free currency, but once that mm. dries out, it's going to be horrible. Because uh, yeah. um, what you're actually doing the gacha for is that... Uh, so, the gacha banner will have two featured weapons and two featured costumes. And, like, the costumes, they have passive stats that are meant to synergize well with... Uh, their corresponding weapon. So, like, uh, uh, last month it was doing all like, oh, this is, is delayed, and now we have to do our summer summer event in September banners. Uh, mm. And so, like, they were uh, so like you had sh 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 stuff like lifeguard Tifa. Uh, yeah, ooh, good ooh, 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 all right, I know what I'm looking up. All right, excuse, continue. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I... Um, but yeah. anyway, so how these costumes work 
is that they're not like on the gacha themselves but if you do a 10 pull specifically a 10 pull you oh can't my do actually this single is pulls this is more extreme than i thought they this that's not how lifeguards dress i know man yeah. it's stupid yeah i know uh but like if you specifically do a 10 pull uh you have a stamp card that like uh, you get a random number of stamps and when you fill up 12 you get one of the costumes you fill up another 12 you get another one you get the other one uh the rates uh like they're better than they were during the beta but still like on average every 10 pool you're getting uh 1.8 stamps so on average you have to pull on a ban on a 10 pool on a banner 13 times to uh, get uh to get both costumes uh the pricing on the game uh it is uh so uh the most expensive option for the paid currency is like just enough for four pools and that's like a hundred dollars that's hundred Australian wait. dollars yeah, but yeah. even then, that's a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, it's like 80 yeah. US dollars. It's stupid. All right, that, like, that is know, a ridiculous ripoff. Yeah, well, it's it's a ripoff, like, but it's not... Case, and, like, 13 is best-case scenario. Worst case is uh, 24. Yeah, it's it's a ripoff, but it's not, like... You know, in, as far as Gacha games goes... Like, it's not out of line with what other Gacha games will charge you for, like, the same kind of thing. Yeah, but, but... that's not a good thing. No, it's yeah, not. That's the it's price... absolutely not. It's that's the price of a it's full... It's horrible. Like... That's the price of Final Fantasy sixteen. just for context. Yeah, it's it's so, st like, you know... It, it's why I, I just can't fucking... I can't fucking stand, like... You know, like that type of shit. And the thing is, you know, with these with these games, because it costs so little to make them, there's gonna be like a huge return on investment for them, and that's why they're making them, right? Although it's it's interesting because I feel like I might be wrong about this, but I feel like Gosh's have definitely gone out of style at this point. Like it's definitely. Uh, Gotchas and like live services in general are kind of in dire straits right now. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right. Because I don't, I don't know. You know, it's it seems like it's unsustainable. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I agree with you that there will come a point where people will just reject this en masse. But it, it just kind of mm. seems like something that maybe like younger people are more accepting of than people of our cohort. Like we grew yeah, up and we maybe. had an understanding of what a game should cost. And to us uh, this is it's... outrageous, but maybe it's I different for it's different types of age people gap. i think it's less age gap and more nationality gap like this is this kind of stuff is is like considered more acceptable in in southeast asia yeah but there's also gotta be a breaking point for that yeah even yeah even i mean there. like i mean like that's that's probably partly to do with it but i was talking more from the sense of like you know just the genre in general going out of style, you know. Well, it's also because... a reality of all these games are exactly the same because there are barely any game to them. Exactly, yeah. Like, you know, it eventually, it's kind of like what happened with MMOs, right? You know, at a certain point, like, you know, an MMO costs so much of your time 
and money as well but mostly like you know basically you, the choice of mmo is effectively you choosing not to play any other mmo right and at a certain point basically every mmo was you know effectively underneath it it was a world of warcraft copy but they just put a different theming over it the reason final fantasy 14 was able to survive was because it was a really really good one right and it really stood out it's actually like amazing that 14 has been able to survive it's almost like the last of its breed no one's making mmos anymore right you know ever crisis does not to me stick out as a game that's going to be the Final Fantasy XIV of its genre. Ever Crisis, to me, doesn't seem like it's going to last all that long, to be completely yeah. honest. And I might be yeah, totally like the, wrong about that. The general thing, I believe, is there's a lot of these always online genres, they only really afford room for a duopoly. Like, there's only yep. two competitors of value. So, like, in the MMO scene, there's World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV. For gacha yep. games, I think that's like I guess there's three main contenders at the moment, and that's and those would be uh, uh, Genshin the, Impact, uh, Fate, Grand, uh, yeah, all the stuff Hoyaverse puts out, yeah, uh, yeah, Grand Blue Fantasy and Fate Grand Order, yeah, like, and it's like, and, and what's the what's the competitor to Destiny Two, like Destiny, no, it's um, Destiny. There's a lot of them. There's I don't think there is one of any value, like like right, because none of them are lasting. A lot of basically. people have tried; they're all falling apart. Like Sony fucking owns Destiny Two now because they own Bungie, and they're still trying to put out like ten fucking competitors to it. You know what? Actually, no, even they're when, really even when they have Bungie telling them no, this will not work. Um, oh yeah, on the, on related news, uh, Jim Ryan's announced he's leaving PlayStation. Good fucking riddance maybe you can stop his fucking obsessive idea with live services no yeah. i sorry i was gonna say like destiny yeah the really none of those games lasted because halo infinite was supposed to be like the big rival to it i was confused because i was thinking it. of like Fortnite rivals because there's like there were at least six of them at one point and over yeah like the Fortnite rivals have mostly you know like what was it called uh the people who made titanfall they made like the, uh you like, are thinking the exact same apex. thing i was and um, apex legends yeah, yeah yeah like that had a good run until they pissed the player base off Did like, it? you know I, so i that's think the thing. It's, that's still going uh fairly healthfully though that's the thing it's going, yeah the, it's going all right here's the weird thing about these big like live service games is like they'll become enormous and they'll end up with like a self-sustained ecosystem of people that are into that game so I don't know what's going on at all in Apex Legends. I just know it exists. It's happening. It bubbled off from mainstream video game discourse, and then it floated off, and now it's in some other reality, and I don't know what's going on with it. And that's just kind of mm. like the natural evolution of games. I don't know what's going on with Overwatch 2 anymore. Uh, Overwatch or 2 kind of... Warzone. Warzone. Blizzard doesn't know what's going on with Overwatch 2 either. There's that robot yeah. game, um, Infamous, whatever it was. What the heck was that one called? It's not infamous. No, I it's, don't know. Uh, I know what you're talking. I know what you're I talking. I interviewed about. the devs uh, for this video. Do you mean Roblox? No, 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 no. I interviewed the devs for this game back in like 2015, and I had no idea what this game was. And apparently, it was just enormous. Immortals, mm. something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you're on about immortals, but um, 
Yeah, I just no, like I just that's don't not right see. Either. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just like that's the example. Like a game becomes that big. Like PUBG. When's the last time you heard about PUBG? Anything oh, about God. it? Oh God, I I forgot. I completely forgot about it you until almost, you brought it up. You almost only ever hear that one in the context of China these days. Like it's yeah. still like it's still huge in China for some reason. But it's like mm. yeah, but like and meaning. Speaking of. Uh, it, Fortnite. I mean, Epic went and laid off 900 people yesterday, which is nuts. Yeah, it's like I I was surprised there was that many people working for the company already. That that's that only was 15% only percent of the workforce. Yeah, that's like, 16 percent of the company. Like, yeah. what the right? Hell? So right, like, it's like what the fuck? That you hiring that many people? That leads me back to our whole discussion about sales. Is like you don't know, you can't possibly know how well any of these games are doing. So maybe like you know ever crisis had a great launch and maybe it's already dead on arrival who knows or it's going to yeah. continue lasting quietly for years and years and much like union cross we're gonna have to go check in every so often to see the newest events in the story of uh young riku who is sephiroth yeah. now yeah because this is a no more back to gacha there's uh, a, there's always a chance that it'll just continue to uh to uh, exist out of sheer force of his will because i'm pretty sure uh uh towards the end union cross was doing really badly oh yeah and they they never actually did did they ever finish that dark road thing or like they like yeah they like yeah. cut the brakes on yeah. that really fast because it seemed like that was going to last forever yeah, like it took them like a year after the game shut down but then they but then they put the entirety of dark road up yeah, that was hmm. them basically cutting the brakes. Like, we have to have the story we planned out here. We have to do it because of yeah. the franchise, but otherwise, like, we don't want to actually make this game anymore. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure by hell or high water, the story stuff introduced in Ever Crisis will be finished. In what form it'll take, it, we don't know. Although it's probably got a better chance of surviving because, uh, I mean, uh, Union Cross, like, not only was it doing badly like they couldn't really put any more resources onto it because like cutscenes and stuff were still programmed in flash oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that no. game was continuing like, that is actually a thing in one of the uh, union cross anniversary uh, anniversary letters that no more would do at one point they say uh, and also like if if you have skills in flash we'd, we'd like you, you to send in a job application <laughs> let's go let's go get the guy behind Making that game was still running in like 2020. In 2021, <laughs> I think it was. Let's go and get Homestuck. Let's get the Homestuck writer. He'll go and finish the game for us. He was good at Flash. Oh man. Um. So, I think this is probably the last time we're gonna have an in-depth discussion of Ever Crisis. Doesn't seem like any of us like it. I've already actually deleted it off my phone. I don't know if I mentioned that. Mm. Same. It's it's like it's gonna be one of those where like either there'll be some massive update to it and then in the future, like, you know, we'll be talking about it as like, oh okay, no, it turned out it was one of the good ones. You know, either that'll happen, or more than likely, you know, we'll tune in whenever there's some big revelation from the story. I don't know how often that will be. But otherwise, forget about it. You know, it could go one of two ways at this point. I The only good thing I'll say about it is that I do actually really like the music rearrangements. I'll have to check those out then. Um, those are good. Uh, I I might be willing to play like a, 
an offline complete version of Ever Crisis, I would not continue to play this. Well, here's the thing: like near reincarnation was mostly tuned well enough that you didn't need to go and play the slot machines. Like it was painfully easy. I was able to get like 15 chapters in that game. The only problem was it was so boring. And the plot did not move. You'd play like three hours and you'd learn nothing at all. It was crushing. That's that's the real like damning thing about this kind of video game for me. It's it's made for people who would rather trade their time for money. And at this point, I have more money than time, and I'd be willing to pay somebody like here's sixty bucks. Just fucking get me to the game part of this game, so I don't have to do all this other shit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that that's called being thirty in your thirties. That's uh, yeah. the sad tragedy of being an adult. Uh, you can play any game you want. You just don't really have time for it, and you're too busy doing other things. Yeah, but like for Ever Crisis, if we're talking about balance, I don't think the slot machine is strictly necessary. But it, not using it would severely limit your options because it is kind of just like remake in that weapons have a special ability tied to them some kind of mage you squashed all over my transition i wanted to get off of this topic uh, (laughs) i mean you could do it but you could do it but i think you'd have even worse of a time can we talk about something we all or at least i'm extremely fucking excited about yes 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 the butt because we're not ending this episode on a down note, all right? We're, no, no more, no more downers. Frowns upside down. Go and uh, write your frowny emoji the other way. Flip it, and then uh, reverse the smile. Because if you just flip <laughs> it, it's just an upside down frowny face. I was so, gonna say. Yeah, so that, that's a bad, that's a bad metaphor. Uh, so, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Part Two. Well, it doesn't actually say Part Two, but Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We got the trailer at TGS. This is a heck of a TGS, by the way, because we got Seven Rebirth. We got uh, Yakuza 9, or whatever they're calling it now. Eight. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, the the official name, Like a Dragon, Infinite Well. Yes. And there was some other stuff that I'm forgetting about. But this this is like a big TGS. Like, I can't remember a TGS this big in some time. Uh, No Kingdom Hearts 4. Uh, you can you could go and flip the frown right side up again, please, and then flip it the other yeah. way because we're talking about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We got the new trailer. We have a release date. It's out February 29th, which means that it will take four years for it to age one year, as we know if you're born on the 29th. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's <laughs> that was good. Uh, so we're gonna have playable Cloud and Red Thirteen and. For some sick reason, Kate Sith is here again. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and Midgar Zolom. Ah! Remember that joke? It's a, sh- it's a shame we don't have Kat Yus, because I think he's the only one who likes her. Kate Kat She. Or Kate She. Or however the fuck you're supposed to pronounce it. We're going to find out how to pronounce it once and for all. We do know like... it's it's Kate She, I think it's like officially it. It's, I think they might okay. say, they say his name in maybe Durja Cerberus or something. Oh, okay. Oh, of course. That makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm just gonna say, like, the stuff they've revealed for this is fucking amazing. Like, all all they had to do with how good 
of seven how good of a combat system they had in seven remake all they had to do was basically just do that again add the material that you find later in the original seven like basically just do effectively the same thing with a couple tweaks to make the aerial combat better and they have done that they have made the aerial combat shit ton better but no, instead, like, we have this new fucking synergy system, which is so much bigger than it was in Intermission. Like, in Intermission, it was, like, bare bones compared to what they've shown off for how it is in Seven Rebirth. Like, you know, all you were able to do was basically, as Yuffie, you could synergize with Sonnen, and then you get a few, like, it's literally, like, only two or three, like, special attacks with it. And then plus well, like a special attacks, but in integrate there's also like the, you'd start like pairing up your actions, so like you'd actually like force the AI to attack when you attack and uh, and stuff like that. I don't think that's the case in Rebirth, but they've uh, they've ex vastly expanded like the actual team up abilities and such. Yeah, and like, you know, they've made a whole ass mechanic around these special abilities. So how it works is, as you use your ATB abilities, you have like some little slots that fill up, right? And yeah. then, based on how many slots that fill up, you can use that character's pair attack, or whatever it's called. I think it's just called a synergy ability. Synergy. Yeah, that's the one. Ability. You can use the synergy ability, and they all, like, each pair has their own unique synergy ability, right? That takes advantage of both of their mechanics. And then you get to like, you know, based on what the ability was, you get to have like certain extra effects applied to it. So I think like, if you use Tifa and Aerith's, then like Aerith will make the enemy weaker or something to, to like more vulnerable to Tifa's attacks. And then like, so if you use, Go on. Uh, so, like, they've been, uh, like, going over, like, the newer playable characters, so, like, nothing about uh, Aerith and Tifa yet, but they have been talking about this stuff. So, like, if you do a synergy with Red, they'll, like, boost, uh, boost the limit, uh, limited limit break gauges. Uh, if you uh, use the uh, one in the, uh, in the tutorial, which is, you know, the Cloud Sephiroth Nibelheim flashback, uh, the synergy attack there gives Sephiroth unlimited MP. Um, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. That's what I meant. Yeah. Seven you remake boost, had uh, MP. Boost your characters. I don't even remember. Yeah, seven remake had MP. I, yeah, I don't. You know, it's only been like four years, and I've completely forgotten. It's it's been three years, but yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Time time passes. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, like it, it's stuff that like boosts your character as opposed to like weakens them for the most part but yeah like you know there's there's that stuff going on and it just makes like it just makes combat so much more interesting and there's also another thing where based on which characters you have you get you get some other special move so for example Aerith, when you're with her she has a move called bodyguard which means right, that that's, uh, that's the synergy skill which uh, that's the synergy can... skill that's the one which you can pull off while blocking, and also they're completely free. So like, so like, what it means is cost no synergy gauge cost. It's just like you block, you can press button to do things. So what it means is that on top of how differently the characters already play, 
you know, there's genuine strategy behind choosing what your party is going to be based on those synergy skills, right? You know, so it's not just how their unique playstyle is. You know, you might have a boss where you're like, oh shit, I really need the bodyguard ability, so I have to bring Aerith along for this. Or you're like, oh shit, you know, I have to use limit breaks here, so I really need Tifa along to fill the limit get limit gauge faster right you know there's actual reason to choose who you're going to put in your party that isn't just oh which do i like more because in seven original that's all it really comes down to you know it's like who, which of these is my favorite character they're going in the party that's all that it, that also all that really matters and this one i'm sure like you could still say like hey this is my favorite group of people so i'm gonna make a party around them and i'm gonna strategize around them but you get to like actually mix it up with different, with different like playstyles based on that, and I think that's just such an interesting way of doing it. Because if I'm honest, like I thought they were just gonna do Final Fantasy X. Like I thought they were just gonna do the thing where it's like you have your three, and then you can swap in other people, and you know that wouldn't have really worked all that well because you know materia system. It's hard enough fitting out material for three people imagine if you had to do it for seven that would be insane so inst but instead they're making it so that you're switching it up but they like give you reasons like to encourage you to switch it up and all these different combinations are just going to be so much fun to play around with like i mean it's it's in it's insane to me that like they could have so easily just stopped at what they did with 7 Remake, and instead they're like, no, we're gonna add all this extra shit, and we're just gonna make it better. Yeah, so, uh, we do see a lot of open environments. I Have they confirmed how large this world is actually going to be? In any way? Um, the exact size, no, but they have mentioned that it includes all three of the main continents of the planet. Yeah, okay. it's gonna be far huge. So we're It's not... gonna be so do at that point that means we would estimate that this is going to end in the forgotten capital then that, that's what that they've said is, oh they've, they've actually said explicitly that. said that they've said well, that they've yeah. said well they've said this in a way that can be fairly weasel worthy but like the locations in the game go up to the forgotten capital All right. yeah so like what they've said is that you know they're not following the exact 100% original story of FF7, so the events are going to be out of order. Although, even on that point, yeah, like, they said, like... like the, the exact example they gave is that uh, the Wutai side quest is, does not happen until part 3. Yeah, and then they showed a screenshot. They showed a screenshot of a place that looks very much like Wutai, except it has someone who looks suspiciously like Gilgamesh in it, huh. you know? They didn't show us that many frames of it, but you know, so it's what? it yeah, it's super it's super interesting. One like, thing that's really interesting for me is just looking at this Square Next blog with the character role, is that we do not have Sid here, who should have joined the party don't. in the original seven at this point. Uh, Vincent shows up in the trailer, but he's not listed as a major character, which leads me to suspect... Vince, Vincent is confirmed to not be a fully controllable party member. He's the same yep. case as uh, Red in, in Remake. Okay, Watson, yep. I, I was doing a deduction here, and you've... Alright, that's fine. <laughs> uh, my, uh, it's fine, I, I, yeah. 
I'm going to guess that it is the same case for Sid, because, like, I mean, Sid, I mean, they can't, like, completely skip Sid, like, they've said... Uh, they probably could, Oh, actually. yeah, you will have the trans... You'll have the transport method to go to uh, the other continents. If you played the original, you know what that is. So, like, yeah, that means you get the tiny Bronco and kind of hard to have that and not have Sid. Yeah. I could imagine... Uh, they could come up with any way you can get across. It could just be a ferry or something if they really are cutting for time. Uh, most interesting for me is that Zack is listed in the major characters here. So that yeah. pretty much 100% confirms that he will be playable in some way during this game. I don't think, oh, yeah. I don't think I he's going to join the that. main party. Though, Zack is the wild card right now in this entire story. We really don't know what world he's in and whether or not he's just going to jump in and screw things up or whatever. We've That's... seen... Yeah. You see, I... like, a screenshot of him where he's with... He's in Midgar with the Comatose yeah. Cloud, and Kyrie helps him out. And that's yeah. all we've seen. And, like, it's not just Zack that's a wild card there. Like, I get the feeling, looking at the stuff about Sephiroth in the tutorial, this guy feels way too fleshed out to just be someone who's around in the tutorial. I, I think there might... I think he might be playable in some form later in the game. Spoiler alert, he's in the Shinra reality simulator. You get to play him again then, and that's the only time he shows up. Yeah, or he shows be. up in the uh, fucking... I mean, That'd be I'll, such I'll... a dick punch, but yeah, I could see yeah. it. would be a dick move, but I'd still accept that, because, like, I mean, he does also sound like he's fun to play around with, so, like, you know, even if we just VR mission as him... And he's in not? the... Uh, I I imagine like the reality simulator is something that they might put in Gold Saucer. Speaking of which, as far it as better events, be, it better be somewhere because that makes it so much easier to do the summon videos. Wait, wait, wait! Oh wait, yeah, wait, wait. I have a theory. I have a theory. All right. So if oh. you remember Final Fantasy IX, your opening crew of no, a very... I don't remember that game. I've never played it before. All right, well, I was I was well... going to explain my theory anyway. So if you recall. <laughs> Or don't recall the opening, the opening crew of thieves that you get. There's like three of them. There's Blank and there's Cinna and there's some other guy. Uh, those characters are actually character slots of major party members that will show up later. One, I think, becomes oh. Quina. One becomes Freya. One becomes somebody else. So And there's a bug that's attached right. to it. It's funny. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So... Yeah, like, Six does the same thing. It has, like, the same bug, because, like, like, there's the opening part where, with the Moogle, so, like, the Moog so, like, pretty much every single character slot has a Moogle in it before it's yep. replaced yeah, with yeah, the yeah, actual yeah. player character. Yeah, so, Kate Sith is going to play exactly the same as Sephiroth. <laughs> That's how you're going to <laughs> use all the work you put in as your character. You develop this character, no. you have a combat system for him, it's way too developed, so then you just flip it over, Kate Sith is Sephiroth. Nah, so, um, that, with that, uh, there's a synergy skill that you have with Sephiroth and Cloud, and it's called, like, Void Scent or some shit that, like, empowers his Buster Sword and he does this super strong attack, right? And, um, that is already, they gave that to Aerith and Cloud, so... You can already uh, reuse that one, oh, but dang. um, they're they're as for the love triangle as, has a uh, text in the actual gameplay now. Right, so, so, like another thing that we've mentioned 
in the gameplay, but not really gone into much detail on the materia system. Like the core is the same, but there's a hell of a lot more interesting material around. Like, yeah, like, I guess like like Chadley, like Chadley is still around, and he's coming up with even more types of material, like magic material that fuses two of the material from the previous game together. Like lightning and wind, blizzard material on the same slot, or lightning and wind. Yeah, there's it's also like, like the a fuck? lot of material that serves similar purpose to uh, the timely accessories from 16 like you just slot them in and that character will just do certain things automatically on ai and yeah. then deadly dodge is no longer a materia they now oh, yeah, made that a, a proper no ability materia. that's now your standard dodge uh, love that oh, shit nice. amazing uh Beautiful. let me let me ask about my favorite materia of all time enemy skill materia is that in this game or do we not there's no way it's not in that game there's no way it's not there's no way it's not yeah Okay. Like, like if the it... Midgard's Golem is in this game, ah, you gotta fucking be able to enemy skill it. Fucking like it was in Seven Remake. It was extremely limited, so I just I don't see why they wouldn't bring it back. I just hope they actually don't limit it this time. Like I hope there's much more stuff we can do with it. But I, I yeah, want I mean, Midgard, it's... man. That's what Final Fantasy VII for me is. It's casting Midgard in every yep. fight, every single time. There's no reason cast, not to use yeah, it. Yeah, you cast. You cast Big God, and it includes fucking haste, right? You know, uh, Seven Remake. I don't seven Remake. Now. You get, I yeah. Think... You it includes haste, protect, and shell. Or okay, right, in in Seven's case, barrier and M barrier. It's it's insane. I couldn't but remember if that in... was that or Final Fantasy Five, because uh, that also that is more. No, Final Fantasy Five is just protect and shell. Like Seven Hitch? Seven what? Original is the only game Why where it also to... includes haste. Why don't I go to Final Fantasy Seven, uh, FinalFantasyWiki.com, let's say. Uh, that's not what the that's not what the the URL is. You know right. what I mean. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, Alright, in Final Fantasy V it casts Protect Shell and Float. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. It doesn't cast it doesn't cast haste. Um yeah. But in Seven Remake you have this strategy where like you put the time material with the magnify material which is the all material and then you can cast haste on everyone and you can cast slow on all the enemies and it's pretty sweet you are and that correct. would be entirely that would be completely redundant in seven the original because you can already cast you can already cast haste on everyone and slow barely works on anyone in the original yeah and like you, are... you know in seven remake like stop you can use stop on fucking reno and some of the bosses and it's quite hilarious and that barely works in seven original you are correct techno it does cast uh protect shell in haste yep sweet but um yeah i mean like it's just so that's that's the core gameplay that's as far as the combat's concerned um chocobos are in this uh, oh sorry did you have something else to say one more thing because like i am looking through the blog post now and like I am interested in uh, how they're saying that Red 13's gameplay style is, because, like, his thing is that uh, he has, like, a meter that fills as he blocks attacks. Yeah, and, he's more like, defensive. As it fills, you can press triangle to go into, like, a into like this high-speed attack mode where he can also steal HP from enemies. Hmm. He can also ride chocobos. We've seen this. Yeah, so he can also ride chocobos. Yeah, I'm glad to see it. I'm happy for him. 
uh, no, one of Nomura's most undefeated moments where like the devs were trying to figure out how to uh, get Red in the Chocobo and uh, and Nomura's just uh, Nomura said like just have him sit like everyone else so, mm. so, it's so he's so hunched over I'm worried about his back but he's also a dog so I guess back problems are less of a thing for him mm. it's like you know that so that's as far as like the core gameplay is concerned there's probably other stuff we might have missed that's super like there's just so much that came out from this but you can write chocobos right you know and there's this whole like mechanic around like how you catch them which they've been over and it's it's funny it's similar like it reminded me a little bit of horizon zero dawn actually the way you capture the chocobos because you know, you're like sneaking around them and then you like sneak up on them and you catch them that way and you still have to feed them the greens. And then you get to customize your chocobo. So there's a bit of Red Dead Redemption in there as well. Hmm. You know, you get to like give your chocobo outfits and whatever. And it's already confirmed that, you know, the different chocobo colors are still the same thing. Like the green ones, presumably they can go over mountains. The blue ones, presumably can go over water. And, you know, there's all that. And I think the black chocobo can fly. But like, there's there's so gold much Choco stuff that like you, you, the gold I, chocobo presumably yeah, exists in this game as well. They haven't we haven't seen the gold chocobo yet, but um they yeah like there's just so much stuff like that they haven't like you know that they haven't shown yet. But there's so much that they have, and it's just like you know the chocobos look exciting as all fuck, and presumably we can race them. Because Chocobo Racing looks really fun. If it's anything like Chocobo Racing in the Final Fantasy XIV Gold Saucer, I'm already happy. Right? You know, and speaking of Gold Saucer, we have the fucking, the robot battles, except it's with the pixelated models, and it's not a piece of shit this time, presumably. Hope so. Uh, there's Motorcycle no, not, Racing not is back. Not, like, not pixelated, low poly. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, low they're poly, Final that's Fantasy, the one. They're, yeah, they're PlayStation 1 models. Yeah, the Lego, the Lego Mandem. It, it should um, be noted that in the original Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation One, this particular mini game was completely unplayable. It, it just was did not. Dog it shit. did. It actively did not work. You could not win like the third round, no matter what you did. Yeah, like even if you got to the round where it's programmed that you're guaranteed to lose, like it's kind of shit house getting there in the first place. Yeah, it's it's the not Moogle a good house? video game either. The Moogle house is in it, except in this version, it's a real thing as opposed to just a gold saucer minigame, right? That's pretty no, sweet too. Is it? It's in physical place? Yeah. Moogles are real now? Yeah. Moogles yeah. are real? Oh, alright. I kind of liked that in Final Fantasy VII land, Moogles are just a fictional creature. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's that's kind of interesting too. But, I, um, I knew I mean, I forget the exact details, but like when the video showed, like you buy a mini game where they first use it, you so like they're just realizing that, uh, you know, the truth that the most popular Moogles around are the ones that are complete assholes. Yeah, oh, here's a here's an important Chocobo question: Does the Chocobo theme appear when you ride a Chocobo? Because there are certain other games like I can mention that were complete cowards and did not have the Chocobo theme playing. Oh, it's definitely going to appear. It, it okay. was there. Alright, good. So, yeah. not all video games are complete cowards, and made by cowards. No. For cowards. Yeah, so, uh, there's that, um, the, they also introduced, like, it was a weird one. They had, like, they added a card game in it that's not Triple Triad, and is not the dog shit one from FF9, the Tetramaster. 
Right. They added, like... They added a card game to it, which wasn't in before. Right. And I kind of thought that was a weird choice because, you know, when they put Fort Condor in 7 Remake Integrate, like, I always thought, like, Fort Condor was now going to be the FF7 version of Triple Triad. Right, and maybe it still is, I don't know, but, you know, now they're also saying on top of that, oh, Fort Condor actually exists as a location. We haven't seen it yet, but they've mentioned, but apparently they mentioned that it does exist, and it was the place of a, a Marco reactor or whatever. So, that's, that's a thing now, and, um, yeah, so I think the CPR minigame sounds like that's going to be back, uh, except no. you give CPR to Yuffie this time. No, because... I don't want to do it. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the stupid dolphin jump thing either. The dolphin uh, is back. I don't want to do I, We did see if the dolphin jump specifically was there, but the dolphin is definitely there in a major part of the cutscenes in the boss battle down there. Yep, okay, the right. dolphin is there, except this time, it's that's how you meet Yuffie in this version. Okay, yeah. and I... Actually, I still want to do the, uh, the marching minigame. That's actually fun. That's in there. All right, good. That's in there. All right, the, the yeah, the other mini games you can cut, especially the dolphin one because that, that sucked. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's cool. But um, yeah. I mean, like this this game just like there's there's just so much stuff that they've shown off, and it just looks fucking beautiful, right? And it's just amazing to me because they didn't have to do this shit. Like they didn't have to do a lot of a lot of the stuff they've added in, right? And they and we're getting it anyway. It's like I feel like we as Final Fantasy VII fans, we do not deserve this game. Like, like you know, yeah, you can we've <laughs> Speak like, for yourself. You what did you do that even... you don't deserve it? We're a toxic fan base, man. We're horrible. Like we don't nah, deserve this. Nah, shit. we're great. Like... Especially me. I'm <laughs> like. Like, you can tell that even with, like, the large amounts of asset reuse they can get away with, because, you know, this is a direct sequel to another really good-looking game, that, uh, that, yeah, they really put four years' worth of work into this. This is... Oh, uh, yeah. This it's is insane. so much bigger than I think anyone could have ever expected. It's um, funny that asset reuse, like, you know... Because you see, like, some of the posters and stuff in the background that were in the original, and they were in Midgar, and now they're just on the background of, like, random places, like, they're on the back of bus Look, stops, asset, whatever. Asset reuse is an unambiguously good thing, as long as it still fits the thing that you're taking it to, so, like... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. yeah like, I'm not saying asset reuse, like, a bad thing, but it's also, like, you know, I... I had thought that this would have been out faster because they would have made another game like, like remake. And no, they've, they've kind of made like their own version of a Xenoblade. It feels it's, like. Yeah, it it is like you know, I've always always wanted Final Fantasy to do this. Not just seven. I've always wanted Final Fantasy to just take a system, run with it, and perfect it in the next game. Right, you know, because this has been, like, I feel like the biggest flaw of the Final Fantasy series is also arguably its biggest strength, where that is, they have this notion that every game they have to reinvent the wheel. They have to do something completely different this time. So, you know, 
Final Fantasy VI, it introduces the Magicite system. You know, a cool system, we could maybe work out the kinks and make something better. Nope, we're not gonna do that, we're gonna throw it out, we're gonna do Materia. Materia system, amazing, genius, fucking incredible, and we're not gonna use it ever again, we're gonna go to the Junction system. Which is interesting, but imperfect, you know, some people found a way to break the game, and some people didn't understand it. You know, so are we gonna fix both. it for the next one? Some people well, didn't that's, understand that's entirely it true. the game, so... It's entirely true. But we're not ever going to use it again because we're going to throw it out. And they, it feels like they went even more extreme when they, since 12 onwards, where they said, oh, not only are we going to redo that whole character growth mechanics, we're now also going to completely do a new combat system every game, which I, I just don't. I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that idea. You know, you had a long run of using the ATB system. Like, I don't mind you going up to a more action-based system. I just wish you'd choose one and stick with it, right? Because because they have reinvented the wheel each time, they have never, because you're never gonna get everything 100% right and perfect the first time you do it. You have to iterate on it and improve on it over time, right? And what I love about this is they're finally doing that. They're finally saying, you know, we have a system. This is going to be our system. And we're going to iterate on it. We're going to improve on it. And the next one is going to be an actual sequel and not just a completely new game. You know, like Spider-Man is another great example of this, Marvel Spider-Man. Where Spider-Man 1, I felt like there was so much they did in that game that I almost just couldn't see, I couldn't perceive even of what they could possibly add. And then in the sequel, they they added a, like they've added a shit ton of stuff to it, and it feels massively different. And I was like, oh my god, they managed to make it like so much better than the first one. You know, Uncharted same way. You know, I thought after Uncharted two there was nothing else they could possibly do with that, and no, it turns out in Uncharted four they like completely revolutionized it. You know, and Final Fantasy is finally, finally getting to do that. And I'm so excited. Yeah, um, I think this is a great trailer. Um, I'm excited to look at it. I'm excited to play this game. I'm happy that we have something to talk about that isn't Final Fantasy 16. The pipeline of content continues. I will give my judgment when the game comes, because at this point I am forced to be cautiously optimistic with every single new release. I think I've largely turned around on 7 Remake, which I was kind of cool on originally, but I'm much higher on now, looking back. Possibly mm. because after three years, I've forgotten all the parts that I thought were kind of dull and padding. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely, like, that's part of it. But I, like, you know, I've noticed that too, where, like, I feel like, you know, a lot of people... Where their their opinion on Seven Remake seems to have only like improved over time, which is the opposite trend from, for example, Final Fantasy Fifteen, where that doesn't seem to have happened. We'll see what happens with Sixteen, but definitely like I I am sensing a lot of that too. And I, you know, I am actually very hopeful for that Sixteen DLC because I think a more focused version of that game possibly with more mechanics that are there that's kind of too basic it's too plain for what it is could be a very exciting so there's, there's a lot of good things coming up on the pipeline and we will talk about it here on this podcast uh, some color mage do you have some concluding thoughts um there's also one other thing that uh, i know oh. that uh, they're going really aggressive on trying to get people who 
who you know mm. may be interested in Rebirth but haven't played Remake yet. Like, not only is uh, Rebirth, mm. they've said that they're doing like the same thing they had in Kingdom Hearts 3, where they had like this video recap of the story so far, including the thing. They've got this digital got... twin pack where, yeah. like, if you can buy Rebirth and you also get, you also, like, when you buy it, you immediately get Remake Integrate. Uh, until Rebirth is released, uh, that is the exact same price as getting Rebirth standalone. So, mm. right oh. now, you can buy, you can pre order Rebirth and get Remake Integrate for free. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I love that. I got screwed on that deal. I should have not played those games for three years. Yeah, so it does mean that I am imagine like we're never gonna get the proper sales figures of the games individually. Like you know, when it comes when we get to the third part, they're gonna say the Final Fantasy VII remake project series sold in total a bazillion jillion copies. We're not gonna get like you know remake did this numbers and rebirth did this numbers and whatever the fuck comes next did this numbers, but. Yeah, I mean, I love that they did that. Maybe don't play uh, Rebirth at all, because they might give away that game for free, too, in four years. Mmm. Mmm. See, the video Mm. game, especially, like, single-player games, like, basically the business model at this point is FOMO. Like, because we know every game, when it comes out, like, sometime after that, it's going to be massively reduced in price. So that's how that's how they're able to make most of their money through FOMO, and this is just this is you know, if you want to experience it now, then you'll have to pay a premium for it. If you want to experience it later, then you'll have to wait and avoid spoilers for years. It's up to you. Okay. So I think that's everything, right? I believe so. That I think we're bo- we're all very excited for this yes. game and. Right. It's a, it's a great time to be a Final Fantasy fan. It is a great time to be a Final Fantasy fan. It's a great time to be alive, really. I mean, you know. Despite, it really is. Despite capitalism and COVID and other stuff, you know. You know, yeah, whatever. It's it's a great time to play games, not so great a time to make them. Yes, it is a better yeah. time to play yeah. games than to make games. It is a terrible time to make video games. Uh, but it's a great time to be in a union, so we'll see what happens with video game unions. Yes. I support you all 100% of the way. It's a great time to write a Final Fantasy Wiki pod. Oh, well, Final Fantasy Wiki, and then make a podcast about yeah. said Wiki, and then travel around the world to go see friends from that Wiki, or only travel to Manhattan and have lunch with friends from that Wiki in certain cases. Uh, hey. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. We're going to conclude there. Uh, just one small bit of self-promotion before we move on. Uh, next month is Spooky Month. Like, literally tomorrow will be Spooky Month. So, yeah. on BlueHighWindBlogspot.com, I'll be doing 31 days of horror reviews like I do every single month, every single year. Uh, so, there'll be a new review of a new horror movie. Well, not necessarily new, but a horror movie every day for 31 days. This month's topic, or this year's topic, is Demons and devils so we're going to do the exorcist we're going to do huxan we're going to do the d book we do exorcist believer and rosemary's baby and some other movies uh so come <laughs> by it'll be a time yeah. as for this podcast uh, yes some comment well if we're if we're allowed to talk about uh, wiki self-promotion stuff yeah so later this uh, month is uh fun fantasy 14 european fan fest so uh, we will certainly be doing the stream for the opening of that. 
where we will get the answer to the question, uh, what the fuck did uh, Yoshida's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shirt mean? Ooh, spicy. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Okay. Techno, do you have anything to promote? Uh, nope, because I'm too busy on the Spider-Man wiki. Okay, so, cool. not yet. Spider-Man 2 PlayStation 5 coming out, like, in a week or something, right? Oh, like, two, three weeks. Yeah, so come by the Spider-Man wiki, and then you'll learn things about Spider-Man. A lot of things. We do, we do, I'm very proud of the work we're doing there. He shoots webs out of his wrist and has spiders. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. He <laughs> only, only the Sam Raimi Spider-Man shoots webs out of his wrist. The rest of them have a robot that does it. Not yeah, that doesn't, robot, that fucking... doesn't make any sense. That's really stupid. <laughs> a fucking web shooter thingy. You know what I mean. He has superpowers except for when he doesn't have superpowers. It's stupid. The Raimi, <laughs> the Raimi explanation makes much more sense. Anyway, this is the official podcast of the Final Fantasy Wiki. I'm your host, Blue Highwind. I direct and produce, and I'm the best boy of this podcast. Uh, the podcast music is La Montana de los Avenes Caballeros. From the ex, yes, from expert novice off the OC Balance of Ruin soundtrack. Uh, thank you for letting us use your music. We'll be back in October to talk about something. I, I'm not entirely sure what, but something will show up and we'll talk about it. In the meantime, um, happy Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not yet Halloween, but happy whatever whatever you're celebrating. A uh, happy Sukkot. I mean, the next step is. The Tec next episode, you know, a large chunk of the planet uh, will only be able to access it after Halloween, so... Yeah, uh, literally, mm. happy Sukkot. This episode will drop on Sukkot. So, happy that. Have a good day. Bye. I'm going to sleep. <laughs>
Ah! There, there you go. That's a, yep. That's a running gag from like 20 years ago. I remember that. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> there's the there's the Sephiroth great hair shot. I forgot about that one. Yep. The uh, fucking L'Oreal advert. Yep. Kujata. That's a that's a thing to remember. I guess we're gonna get another dance scene. That's good. Chocobo racing. Oh, the terrible Rock'em Sock'em Robots minigame is back, but hopefully actually works mm. this time. That game was actively unplayable in the original version. No, but it's better because they used the fucking pixel. Uh, that describes a lot of seven minigames. Yeah, but I think, that one, yep. I think that one was the most broken of all of them because it was like completely impossible after the third round. Like, people, like, went in and checked the code and it's actually programmed for you to lose or something along those lines. Hmm. That sounds about right. Yeah. All those minigames were bad, except for Chocobo Racing. Yep. And that was the only one. Alright, February 29th, 2024. Okay. Alright, so there, that's everything. There was a lot of stuff, actually, at TGS this year. Surprisingly beefy.